Welcome to the Source of Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we talk to the experts in all asset classes of commercial real estate. Listen so you can grow your wealth, expand your portfolio, improve your mindset, and live an amazing life. And now, your host, Jonathan Hayek. If you're curious about commercial real estate, even intimidated but willing to learn, this is the podcast for you. Maybe you're frustrated with multifamily, struggling to find deals, and you want to learn a new asset class. This is the podcast where we talk to the experts in all areas of commercial real estate so you can find your competitive advantage, grow your portfolio, and live an amazing life. I'm your host, Jonathan Hayek, and I'm an investor, probably a lot like you. I have a portfolio of small multifamily and small commercial properties, and several years ago, I thought I would just keep buying more of these types of properties. But as time has gone on, deals that make sense have been harder and harder to come by. I'm in a different life stage than I was just a few years ago, and my investing philosophy has changed so that now I'm looking to purchase larger deals in the non-residential space. But how do I know what to buy? How do I know what a good deal is? Should I buy a warehouse or a medical office building? self-storage facility, or a mobile home park. That's why I started this podcast, so I can learn from the experts, learn all of the asset classes, and make good investing decisions. I'm glad you're here listening, and I hope this podcast can help you make great investing decisions too. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today is another episode of Feedback Friday. This is an episode where I reflect on my interview from that week and give you my three main takeaways. These episodes are typically fairly short, usually less than 20 minutes, and I think of this episode as the Cliff Notes version of the interview. If you missed that episode, you can still get value out of this episode. This episode is going to give you my top three takeaways from that interview. If you connect with it, go back and download that full episode so you can hear the whole thing. And now, on to my three takeaways. My guest this week was Ryan Gibson. Ryan is the founder and president of Spartan Investment Group. Spartan Investment Group has $500 million of self-storage under management. They operate in 12 states, and they employ over 100 people. Ryan was extremely generous with his time, and he delivered an absolute masterclass in investing in self-storage. Ryan has experience as a commercial airline pilot. He also worked for the FAA. After that, he got involved in some residential development and eventually moved on to syndicating self-storage units. They also have some other properties in different asset classes in their portfolio, uh, some mobile home parks and RV parks. But the majority of their portfolio consists of self-storage. And it became clear to me that when you niche down that much, you become an expert in your asset class. 
If you have not listened to this episode, you have to go back and download that episode with Ryan Gibson. Ryan gives great advice on investing in self-storage, but he also gives great advice on partnerships, starting a business, scaling a business, and tons more stuff. Today, I am going to tell you about my three big takeaways from my conversation with Ryan Gibson. My first takeaway is the importance of partnerships and how to find a good partner. My second big takeaway is having a strict location buy box. And my third big takeaway is having a system for due diligence. Ryan goes into extensive detail in all of these areas in the episode. I'm going to summarize them here for you. First, let's talk about partnerships. Ryan tells this great story about how he met his partner, Scott. He was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, and the house next to him was for sale. And everyone that walked by, he tried to get them to buy the house. And one day, this guy, Scott, happened to walk by, and he convinced him to buy the house next door. And so they uh, obviously got to know each other and um, ended up becoming business partners. Ryan says that finding a partner that way is not realistic for everyone for obvious reasons. But he says the way he went about finding a partner is applicable to everyone. So Ryan talks about being social. And he says, you know, not everyone has to be social, but it certainly helps if you're looking for a business partner. He talks about getting out into the world, getting involved in different organizations, whether it's, uh, you know, sports teams for your kids or volunteer organizations or church or whatever it is. Get out into the world and out of your house. He talks about developing a big and deep network and thinking about who would be a good fit as a partner. So along with that, thinking about what you have to offer a partnership and what that partner could potentially offer to you. So you have to think about what your skill set is and whether you want your partner to have the same skills as you or whether you want your partner to deliver something a little bit different. Maybe if you are the social one that's out talking and meeting to people, maybe you want your partner to be a numbers person, someone that can delve into spreadsheets and demographic data and things like that. He provides some other great suggestions, like finding someone who's already in the space. He gives the example of maybe it's a broker he says it doesn't have to be a broker, but that would be someone who's already in the space, already has experience, and knows the asset class. The last thing he mentioned was the importance of that potential partner having some experience. I've made it known that finding a partner has been a challenge of mine. There is no shortage of people that are interested in real estate and want to get involved in real estate. And that's great. But I know for myself, and I'm sure this is true for other investors too, we're not just looking for a warm body. We're not looking for someone to tag along and join us for the ride. I know I myself... I'm looking for someone who actually brings experience and skills and deals. 
someone who has done deals in the past and who is set on doing more deals in the future. Some other ideas to consider when considering a partner is the goals that that partner has and the lifestyle. So, for example, if you want to scale to $500 million of assets under management, but this partner isn't interested in scaling very high, they just want to do a deal here and a deal there, that ultimately may not be a good match in the long term. Likewise, consider lifestyle. At the end of the episode, Ryan goes into some detail about what it's like running such a big company. I was trying to get out of him what he likes to do for fun and what his interests and hobbies are outside of real estate, and it became apparent to me that he really doesn't have a lot of time outside of real estate. If you are okay with that and you're willing to make that sacrifice in order to build a huge business, then you should be looking for a partner that shares in that philosophy. Because if you are working 60 hours a week or more, and your partner only wants to work 10 or 12 hours a week, that is ultimately not going to be a good fit. Resentment is going to build because workload isn't shared equally between the two of you. Now, you can account for that by having different equity splits in your business, but it's going to be really challenging if those things are not hashed out from the start. My second major takeaway from my discussion with Ryan is having a strict location buy box, and he really delivered the goods when we were talking about this topic. He gave us his top 10 considerations when looking at a location of a potential property. Some of them were a little bit general, but overall, they were really, really specific. Things like wanting a vehicle count of ten to 15,000 per day, or having a population growth in a three-mile radius of two to eight times the national average. He talked about the acreage that uh, fronts the main road. He talked about access to large population centers, below market rents, multiple employers driving the job growth in that region. He even talked about a specific example of a property that he bought in Georgia where there was only one major employer in that area. So his team did some underwriting on that company to make sure that that company was viable and wasn't going anywhere. That is professional investing right there. I think the content of these top 10 considerations is really important, even crucial if you're investing in self-storage, but it may not be the only considerations that apply to you. Even if you are a self-storage investor, you may have different considerations that you take on. Uh, maybe you have different metrics for population growth or um, income within a three-mile radius. I don't think it matters so much that you follow these to an exact T, but that you have something that you are following. Even if you're not a self-storage operator, I personally am not all that interested in investing directly in a self-storage facility. But what this teaches me is that when I am buying my preferred asset, let's say it's industrial, I better have my metrics set 
so that I can more easily analyze deals. For example, if I am open to any industrial deal anywhere, let's say under $2 million, it's going to be overwhelming analyzing every single deal. Whereas on the flip side, if I have this 10-point checklist that I go through that might include vehicles per day, distance from the nearest freeway, major employers in the area, and vacancy of other industrial space, I can go through my checklist and make sure it meets all of my criteria. And if it doesn't, then I can throw it away and continue on with the new one. Ryan talked about the fact that there are 40,000 MSAs in the United States, and his team analyzed every single one of them, and they narrowed it down to 150 MSAs that they are interested in investing in. And instead of being intimidated by 150 MSAs from which to choose, it's actually liberating because they know if a deal comes up in one of those MSAs, it's likely going to fit their criteria. My third takeaway from my conversation with Ryan is having a set system for due diligence. Ryan talked about Spartan Investment Group having a 100% close rate for properties that they get under contract. That is really impressive because a lot of times things come up in due diligence that really change the game and may make you not want to close on that deal. However, Ryan said that the 10-point list that I went through in my last takeaway is really the start of the due diligence and that if a property meets all of those requirements, then due diligence is going to go a lot smoother and they're going to be much more likely to close. But he gave five other considerations that they go through during the due diligence process. He talks about the physical inspection, and those are really limited to third parties. He talked about financial due diligence, making sure that the numbers are what the seller says they are. He talked about mystery shopping, the competition. That's a great idea. Uh, he talked about the legal review, so going through the, uh, the title paperwork and making sure everything is good there. And finally, making sure your budgets are in check. And he said, you know, your budgets can change based on what you find in due diligence. But if you're planning on expanding, uh, making sure that the original number that you had for expansion is adequate uh, given the new information that came up during due diligence. So, for example, uh, in Ryan's first deal, he gave the example of um, wanting to expand but having to use dynamite and bury it 14 feet in the ground in order to take out a bunch of bedrock that stood in the way of them expanding their uh, this particular facility. And my guess is if he knew that in the due diligence process, um, he might have renegotiated the price or, or maybe negotiated some sort of concession, or possibly maybe it didn't matter. Maybe the deal was good enough that they were just willing to take on the extra expense in that budget, and they just adjusted the budget accordingly. There you have it. My three takeaways from my discussion with Ryan Gibson, partnerships, having a strict location buy box, and having a system for due diligence. If you are the least bit interested in self-storage or even running a big business and scaling up, you've got to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already.
Coming up on the podcast, I have some fantastic guests that I think you're really going to enjoy, including experts in the areas of uh, triple net retail, quick serve restaurants, industrial, office, brokering, and tons more. If you want to hear those episodes, make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss a single one. Finally, if you're feeling generous and you want to make me feel good, go ahead and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. And until next time, take care. This content is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not financial advice, and it is not an invitation to buy or sell real estate or make any investment decisions.